Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we studied the passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-16. through 16. In our examination, we looked at how Paul worked his ministry. It was interesting how Paul ordered his work. It was also interesting how he also worked spreading the gospel. Of primary notice, he did it without being a burden to those he ministered the gospel. In today's methods, we become dedicated to the ministry at the expense of others. They are told this is the best use of their tithe. Yet, Paul supported himself day and night. He then, when not working, preached the gospel. Of particular note, he ordered his work around the gospel and not the other way. This week, our examination is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in the last four verses. It continues through all of chapter 3, which is short. It is only 13 verses long for a total of 17 verses. We will begin by reading all these verses as a total passage for proper continuity. While a bit long, it is not without its fruit as we begin to examine it. But when we were separated from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time, in presence, not in affection, we became all the more fervent in our great desire to see you in person, for we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, in fact tried again and again, but Satan thwarted us. For who is our hope? or joy, or crown, to boast of before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not, of course, you? For you are our glory and joy. So when we could bear it no longer, we decided to stay on in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and fellow worker for God in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen you and encourage you about your faith, so that no one would be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For in fact, when we were with you, we were telling you in advance that we would suffer affliction, and so it has happened, as you well know. So when I could bear it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter somehow tempted you and our toil had proven useless. But now Timothy 
has come to us from you and given us the good news of your faith and love, and that you always think of us with affection and long to see us, just as we long to see you. So in all our distress and affliction, we were reassured about you, brothers and sisters, through your faith. For now we are alive again, if you stand firm in the Lord. For how can we thank God enough for you, for all the joy we feel because of you before our God? We pray earnestly night and day to see you in person and make up what may be lacking in your faith. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we do for you, so that your hearts are strengthened in holiness to be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 17 through chapter 3, verse 13. Before we look further into commentary, we need to look at a couple items that just plain stick out almost glaringly. First, notice verse 18 in chapter 2. It reads, For we want to come to you. I, Paul, in fact tried again and again, but Satan thwarted us. This particular view is much downplayed in today's American churches. Some believe we do not understand this verse properly. Some believe Paul's comment here applied to different times and a different day. We are now more refined, and this seems overkill in today's Christian world. Is it? Is believing we are now somehow above this? Now our failing? Could it be, in our modern self-evaluation, that we think the way Paul acted is simplistic? That the way we are discussing and what Scripture is stating is, today, simplistic for all of today's Christians because of living in different times than Paul? Another observation is found in this Scripture passage. The first three verses of chapter 3 read, So when we could bear it no longer, we decided to stay on in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and fellow worker of God in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen you and encourage you about your faith, so that no one would be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Did they cave in under the pressure of Satan, so much so they sent Timothy in their place? What was the purpose of sending Timothy? The answer is found in part in verse 2 and in verse 3. It reads, To strengthen you and encourage you about your faith, so that no one would be shaken by these afflictions. If today's afflictions cause you fear, this may well be a good explanation for your fear. Imagine Christians that are fearless in the face of such things as we now face in this life, knowing 
We could die or we could not die by any means. If you are not, imagine being fearless regardless of what you see and hear. Verse 3 alone reads again, So that no one would be shaken by these afflictions. Are you this fearless today in light of coronavirus? Can we say of us today what Paul said in verse 8? It reads, For now we are alive again, if you stand firm in the Lord. The overarching observation we should have here is how Paul admits to many negative things such as distress and affliction. So, where we should be and where we find ourselves were and are two different places. As much as one can aspire to in Paul, he too admits to such things as distress and affliction. It is no different for us today, especially in the likes of coronavirus lurking in the unseen, ready to strike an individual at a moment's notice. Yet, it can be up to 14 days before we know for sure that this unseen pestilence is now upon us. Verse 17 reads, But when we were separated from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time, in presence, not in affection, we became all the more fervent in our great desire to see you in person. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Commentary reads, this is more implied in the Greek word here rendered, quote, being taken from you, end quote, that appears in our translation. It properly has relation to the condition of an orphan or one who is bereaved of parents. No word, perhaps, could have expressed stronger attachment for them. Partially from Barnes' New Testament notes. Does this not create a major increase in the importance of what Paul is saying? Not so common in its tone now, is it? Now, with that overview, let's dig deeper to unlock more the treasure this passage holds for us today. To start, we need to back up to chapter 2, verse 17. It reads, for recollection purposes. But when we were separated from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time, in presence, not in affection, we became all the more fervent in our great desire to see you in person. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Commentary on this verse reads, There is more implied in the Greek word here rendered, quote, being taken from you, end quote, that appears from our translation. It properly has relation to the condition of an orphan, compared to John chapter 14, verse 18, or one who is bereaved of parents. Then it is used in a more general sense, denoting to be bereaved of, and in this place it does not mean merely that he was, quote, taken from them, end quote, but there is included the idea 
that was like a painful bereavement. It was such a state as that of one who had lost a parent. No word, perhaps, could have expressed stronger attachment for them. From Barnes New Testament Notes The comparative verse in John chapter 14 verse 18 reads, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. From the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 18. Commentary on this passage also reads, Jesus here addressed them as children. He says that he would show them the kindness of a parent and Though he was going away, he would provide for their future welfare. And even while he was absent, yet they would sustain to him still the relation of children. Though he was to die, yet he would live again. Though absent in body, yet he would be present with them by his spirit. Though he was to go away to heaven, yet he would return again to them. From Barnes New Testament Notes I told you, Thessalonians is deep. Let's examine this scripture and commentary to glean new thoughts and better understanding. That is not all on this one verse found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. However, we will examine this portion alone we will glean solid insight. Imagine, as commentary expressed, that being away from your brothers and sisters in Christ causes the same degree of bereavement as suffering a dead parent. However, in America, it is far from this way. We miss our brothers and sisters, but not in the way commentary expressed such. In America today, we are conditioned by life in such a way that, quote, missing, end quote, our brothers and sisters is not the same as it is expressed by commentary in Paul's day. What happened as time forged on? Why have we lost that sense of brotherhood, even more so, sense of family? I am not suggesting that leaving a church for a good reason is the problem here. However, church is not the family it is here marked by Paul. So much so, it should cause in us the same pain of separation it causes in Paul. However, this is not so today in America. Is this the case where you live? If so, what are we going to do about it today? I am not suggesting that we try to save the world. I am suggesting that we start reaching out, trying to save the world we live in. The global world, that larger form, will happen if more of us work in our world. However, as long as we wait for someone else or for our collective brothers and sisters to get their act together, our wait may well be indefinite. By the time Christ comes for us in the second coming, 
we will have nothing to show for this present time and near future here forward. In chapter 2, verse 18 reads, Because of this, we desired to come to you, truly, I, all, both once and twice, but Satan hindered us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Commentary on this verse alone is extensive, so I will read two short passages from two sources. Quoting, On Satan Hindered Us. The Syriac and Ethiopic versions read, quote, Hindered Me, end quote, by moving the mob which rose at Thessalonica to go to Berea and disturbed the apostle there, which obligated him, contrary to his will, to go to Athens instead of returning to Thessalonica, as he intended, and when at Athens, from whence also he might purpose to return thither. He was hindered by the disputes of the Jews and the Stoics and Epicurean philosophers had with him, and after that might be prevented by the lying in wait of the Jews for him, of which he might be informed, or by disturbances raised in the church, or churches where he was, by the false teachers, which required his stay with them to oppose and refute error and heresy, and to make up differences that arose among true Christians, fomented by Satan and his emissaries. Satan does all he can to hinder the preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the word, the profession of religion, and the saints coming together and having spiritual conversation with each other, being, as his name, Satan, signifies, an enemy to Christ and his interest, and to the souls of men. Indeed, he can do nothing but by divine permission, nor can he hinder the will of God and the execution of that, though he often hinders the will of man or man from doing his will. He hindered the apostle from doing what he willed and purposed, but he did not hinder the will of God, which was that Paul should be employed in other work elsewhere. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. In what way this was done is unknown, and conjecture would be useless. The apostle recognized the hand of Satan in frustrating his attempt to do good and preventing the accomplishment of his strong desire to see his Christian friends. In the obstacles, therefore, to the performance of our duty and in the hindrances of our enjoyment, it is not improper to trace the hand of the great enemy of good. The agency of Satan may, for aught we can tell, be employed ill the embarrassments that we meet within life. The hindrances which we meet within our efforts to do good, when the providence of God seems to favor us, and his word and spirit 
seem to call us to a particular duty often look very much like the work of Satan. They are just such obstructions as a very wicked being would be glad to throw in our way. From Barnes New Testament Notes Does not John Gill sound like what we experience today? Even Barnes New Testament Notes has modern-day echoes as well. Notice how Barnes New Testament Notes ends its passage, quote, The hindrances which we meet within our efforts to do good when the providence of God seems to favor us and His Word and Spirit seem to call us to a particular duty often look very much like the work of Satan. They are just obstructions as a very wicked being would be glad to throw in our way. End quote. Does that not sound much like the sufferings we find ourselves in today? Satan's story and playbook do not change with time. They are finite. We only experience different aspects of such when we endeavor into new things we are unfamiliar with, not so much intellectually, but experiential, knowing something and making that knowledge work are two separate things, even though related to a single subject of interest and or execution. Knowing how and doing something are two separate things, even though they are tied to the same object or matter of concern. Add to this natural issue of man, Satan's meddling and interference. Therein lies how we, as first sinners and now saved in Christ, struggle continually to do the good works we are called to do. It is not as simple as many American churches have made it out to be in today's world. Next week, we will continue to examine this subject titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica in Part 2. In Chapter 3, this subject continues. Verse 4 in Chapter 3 reads, For even when we were with you, we said to you before that we are about to be afflicted, as it also happened, even you know. Very interesting. In Paul's day, they could see affliction coming before it did. If that is true, how is it we are so blind to such things today? Play or download next week's episode titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica, Part 2. Download this episode next week from one of our podcast hosts or Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. Next week, we will continue to examine this subject titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica in Part 2. In Chapter 3, this subject continues. Verse 4 in Chapter 3 reads For even when we were with you, we said to you before, 
that we are about to be afflicted, as it also happened, even you know. Very interesting. In Paul's day, they could see affliction coming before it did. If that is true, how is it we are so blind to such things today? Play or download next week's episode titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica Part 2. Download this episode next week from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. All other quotes bear the source they are from. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, how to be saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is also found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website. Our subdomain hosted at site123.com is unchurched.site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Churched. Again, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Churched. To find us on a podcast platform, like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore post all episodes on our backup host, 
podcasts.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www.podcasts.com or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.